Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Welcome back to another episode of the Two Sharp Reds with myself, Ollie Gill, and Mark Schwarzer. Thanks to Optus Sport. Mark, I thought I'd just change things up a little bit this week and not call you Australia's third favourite son. How, how, you know, what are your feelings and thoughts? Do you prefer it? Did you, you know, like it the, the way I've normally been doing it? Or what do you reckon? Yeah, listen, I, I didn't mind. I was getting used to it. I was getting used to being downgraded every week or most weeks. Yep. Um, you know, and I've kind of switched off generally during your introduction because I just I'm pretty yeah. bored of it, really. Let's be honest. Well, I'm, I am in slight autopilot mode when I do it, so that's the theory. I go right if I just change it up, it keeps us on our toes, it keeps us ready to go. Because let's be honest, Mark, in these times of you know nothing to to look forward to every day, there's no footy on, there's no anything live. You got to you got to find ways to keep your brain just ticking along and very you know very much on its toes. I think so too. You know, listen, change is as good as a holiday, mate. It's like you know, yeah. go with it, go with the flow. These are very trying and testing times, um, un- uncharted territory. And uh, listen, I-, I like it when you try and think outside your tiny, tiny little box. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've been doing. I have been doing so. Um, I've been doing some unbelievable things. Like last night, you would have loved this. I tuned into a live broadcast uh, from Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Okay. Where he was going going through his cheat meal. Uh, now, what people I've been noticing have been doing recently is tuning into celebrities doing a live workout. But I've actually tuned into the live cheat meal, um, which sums me up to an absolute T. But he's gone for this beautiful French toast made out of brioche bun. Insane. He's got his own tequila. And, you know, towards the start of the show, he said, make sure you bring your favorite drink. So I just cracked open a bottle of wine and I, I watched The Rock eat a French toast. I mean, that that's seriously what the world's come to. How long did it go for? Like an hour and a half. No way. It took him an hour and a half to eat a bit of French toast. Yeah, we cooked it, but then he also had half a cheesecake for dessert and he was having the tequila and answering questions and I was having my wine and it was great. It, it, I couldn't highly recommend it D- enough. Did you post any questions? Did you ask him anything? Yeah, I, may have, I may have asked him a couple of questions about his tattoos, but he didn't answer. He didn't answer you. Oh, wow. Do you, you don't have any tattoos, do you? No, I don't. No, 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 I don't. No. no. How about yourself? No, no, I, I'm not cool enough to pull that something like that off. No way. Yeah, I, I no haven't way. gone through a midlife crisis as yet. I mean, no. listen, there may really? be one around the corner. Um, I've been tempted, but I haven't gone there yeah. just yet. I say just okay. yet. All right. Just yet. No, I think that's probably on its way. And look, before we get into things as well, Mark, I just want to tease you on something that I'll touch base with a little later on in the show. Maybe at halftime we'll have a chat about this. Uh, But I've been looking at world record attempts that you can do from home, uh, and I've found an absolute beauty, and I reckon you've got a really good chance of maybe cracking it. Um, I've been having a go at it. It's tough. Uh, But I reckon we'll have a chat about that 
during half-time, I reckon. Um, but we've got a great bottle of red to try here in the Two Sharp Reds. It's another Aussie wine. It's the Banrock Station Cab Sav Shiraz. So it's got a little bit of everything. Uh, it's the 2018 vintage, and we should experience plum, dark cherry, and hints of spice, which might... Over the last few bottles has been a bit of a theme. Is this sort of either smokiness or the spice? It is. You know what? I mean, listen, wine. When you think of wine, what are you thinking about most of the time? You're talking about the colour. You're talking about the different flavours. And generally, nine times out of ten, there is a there are various spices involved, cherries and blackberries and all sorts of stuff that uh, generally uh, add a little bit of extra something to those bottles of wine. I'm looking forward to this one. I really am. I love a Cab Sav. All right, so during this episode of the Two Sharp Reds, a reminder as well that as we work through this beautiful bottle of Bancroft, uh, Banrock Station, we'll try and compare the bottle of red to a player, past or present. But also we'll be keeping up to date, Mark, with your phone book. Um, we're going to be hearing from a few people that you know um, as to uh, they want to talk about their best, worst Premier League game and also ask them about their cult hero. So looking forward to seeing who got back to you and who didn't get back to you. Uh, but before we do that, Let's talk to Jack Grealish. I mean, what's the update that's come out of uh, the news here in England? It is 100% him. I saw his calves. There's a picture of him walking <laughs> away from the scene with his hoodie on. And for no other yeah. reason, it's him because of his calves. I, I don't care what anyone right. says. You can claim it's not him. It's definitely him. I've zoomed in Hulk-esque. on them. And I've done an yeah. analysis. And uh, 100%. So what exactly have we been told so far? So we know that he posted on Instagram earlier that day or on social media uh, encouraging people to stay home and then that night went to a a lock-in party and and crashed his Range Rover. Is that right? Well, that's what they're alleging. And and, and listen, you know, who's to think that that, that, uh, another so-called high-profile person would not practice what they preach? Hmm. I don't know, mm. really. Is that even possible? <laughs> no, surely no. not. Listen, we don't know 100%. The only thing is all the evidence so far, what's, what's being uh, you know, reported is that he's not answering his phone. The club and the police are trying to get hold of him. He's not answering anything. Um, and uh, at the moment, he has disappeared. And allegedly, yes, he was uh, potentially at a gathering at an ex-teammate of his. Uh, Actually, I think he's still in the current teammate of his um, and uh, Ross McCormack. And uh, it happened allegedly outside uh, his apartment block. And there are some very interesting pictures of of, uh, somebody who looks remarkably like Jack Grealish. And like I said, for me, 100% him. I noticed that I, I saw it straight away. It was, for me, identical. I've done a match on the calves, and it's him. <laughs> it doesn't, what, why does it not surprise me that you've got some sort of calf analysis system? It, does, it just doesn't yeah, shock but, me. Come on, hang on a second. Listen, it's Jack Grealish. You've seen his calves, yeah? Yeah, we've Do got you, a very to, similar to, legs, actually, because after my dancing career. Uh, anyway, like I said, <laughs> have you seen anyone with calves that big? I mean, I have, but not many. I mean, they're, they're, no. they're, they're very much remarkable and something that you cannot look beyond and you know listen he plays up to it as well he wears his socks down really low so his calves stick over the top so from a serious point of view what i mean let's say for an argument's Mm. sake because you know we live in a world where innocent until proven guilty and we don't want to allege too much but if it wasn't him this is still a bit of a a bit of another black mark over him unfortunately and he's worked so hard to really regain 
the the villa faith and also you know the english you know fans and english media and it just felt like you know the season that he's been having you know bringing them up to the premier league then captaining the side you really felt like jack Grealish was you know coming into his own and i just hope that this doesn't ruin things for him yeah mate you know if you talk timing is everything isn't it um timing is is everything can make or break you. And listen, if it, if it turns out to be him, if it turns out that, you know, uh, he's crashed his car, maybe he's alcohol involved, you don't, you just, we don't know at this stage, but it, it's not great. Um, and you would think, even more so in these times now when clubs are under a lot of financial problems, uh, financial pressure, the season obviously being halted, sponsors, everything that goes along with it, clubs having to still play players, some clubs are struggling. And if, if, it, if it is him, if he has gone out, as he has gone to a gathering, has, if there's alcohol involved, that's how the accidents occurred, you just don't know. But then you start to ask questions. Does, do, do, do a club like Manchester United, uh, who he's been linked with, Tottenham, with, with any of these clubs, are they prepared to invest at the, in these times the sort of money they're talking about, whether it's 50, 60, 80 million pounds in a player that you, know, you, you, you can't put that much faith in? You know, his, his track record off the pitch is very questionable. Um, uh, you know, and and I, I think you know, it's someone, you know, a lot of these guys need to really have a look at themselves and think, you know, I'm in such a privileged position. I'm in a position where by I can... I can I can make something out of my life. I can, um, you know, go to heights that I never thought were possible, and uh, fulfil you know fulfil a, a a lifetime dream. You know, to reach the heights of, of, of football on this on the planet. And if you behave in a certain way that maybe hinder those opportunities, isn't that a great shame? And we've seen it over time in history. A lot of players, incredibly talented players, but off-field antics have hampered their development. It's hampered their career opportunities. I just hope that this isn't going to be the case for, for another player. What's your gut saying? Is the gut instinct that, that, that if this situation, if let's say for argument's sake, by the end of the week we find out that the scenario is as bad as it sounds, you know, and it was kind of the worst case scenario as far as Jack's concerned, do you think that that, that will jeopardise his move? Because I think the one word that you touched on that really got me there was the investment. Because I, I, I think he is... Exactly that. You're not going to be able to walk over to Aston Villa and pay $20 million for this player. Like, this is a, a serious amount for a player that you're going to worry is going to do it again. Well, if, if you know, listen, I think, you know, for a club like Manchester United or, or, or you know, let's just say for argument's sake, Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea, paying £20 million for a player like Jack Grealish, firstly, you, you wouldn't get him for £20 million. But say, say that with the price. That, that's a gamble worth taking. But if we're talking about the prices, the money that, that or the fee that people have, have reported, the press were reported before, obviously, the whole coronavirus took place, you know, upwards of 60, 70, 80 million pounds, I don't think that that's worth it. I mean, I, I, I just, I think it'd be mad to, to pay that sort of, uh, that money. Put your, you know, put, put a, such a large amount of investment in a player that over time has shown a couple of times, if, if it is the case, if at the end of the week, uh, we find out it is him, and there is other 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 instances involved, or other complications involved, i.e., alcohol and so forth. Then there are serious questions. I mean, he's the captain of a club, um, supposed to be setting an example. In the morning, was trying to set an example, but then, if it is the case, 
he's 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 uh, he's gone out and and not practiced what he's preached. I, I I just don't know if you can if you can if you can put that sort of investment um, in someone. Mark, let's head back into your phone book. It was something that we touched on last week. I very much enjoyed it. What was the uh, the hit ratio of players that got back to you and players that did? Uh, overall, didn't, didn't. yeah. Over, listen, overall, it was it was pretty good. Um, I have to say, I think it was eight players uh, that I that I sort of kind of or ex players, current players that I sent messages out. Um, obviously, we got what was it three last week. Um, yep. We've got another couple this week. And another couple uh, in the pipeline. And funny enough, the one person who I actually thought would reply pretty quickly and also with, with the information, with the best game, best player, worst game, was Pat Nevin. Ex-Chelsea right. winger, Scottish international, ex-Scottish international. Done a lot of work with him on BBC Radio. And um, he's read my message but not responded. Oh, no, he hasn't. He's left you on red. And, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, terrible! Um, listen, and the other one, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna put it out there. John Terry didn't respond. Has read it, didn't respond. But I have to say, I, I made that mistake. You know what I did? Go I on, cut and paste the done? message, and it was one that I sent to Petter, and I didn't change his name, and I went, "Hi, Petter," to JT. <laughs> <laughs> so he's opened it, seen it. Oh. I've looked and gone, "Oops, oh." I responded straight away and gone, hi, Petter. Oops, I'm really sorry. Yeah, I was in a rush, cut and paste. Sorry, JT. JT. W- would you be up I mean... for it? He's read it, no response. <laughs> I don't blame him. <laughs> He's thinking, right, so what's happened here is uh, Mark's got just a, a list of Chelsea players. You've just got like a group that you've put on your phone. And, and you've, I mean, that's, Mark, that's embarrassing when that happens just to your mate from school. But come on, you know, I only one of did the it. all-time greats of Chelsea. I only and said it to two. Current... I only said it to two Chelsea players, right? And that's Petter and oh. and JT. Listen, I called it. Listen, if I call him Petter, that's not so. That's not bad at all. I could have called him something else, like a lot of other different names, and I didn't. So, <laughs> yeah, sure. and I admitted straight away. Oops, I'm sorry, I messed up there. However, would you still be up yep. for it? Nothing, nada. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's try and get positive again because I feel bad for you after that mistake. Uh, who are we hearing from first? Is it a fellow Socceroo? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, he's he's in and around the squad, um, has played a couple of games, and was in involved around the cl- uh, the squad when I was there. Um, and uh, another ex, well, fellow goalkeeper, Adam Federici. So my best and worst Premier League game, um, obviously as a goalkeeper, it's a lot easier to remember your. Uh, your your worst games, but um, probably the one that sticks out for me was the opening day of the season. Very excited just to be promoted with the Reading, and uh, we had Stoke at home, so that and it wasn't the uh, best games for me. I uh, made an er- error, and um, it did suck the confidence out of me, and that was, <laughs> that was a bad one for me. Um, and then my best one, I had to probably think a lot harder about that, um, might have been either at Chelsea at home, um, where we drew with them, or um, Newcastle away, um, where both of them had played pretty well and got great results. So that was uh, quite good. Yeah, super stuff from Adam there. And I suppose that feeling that he touched on there, going up with Reading, I mean, that must have been an incredible feeling. In your head, you know, what's, sort of, what's better, uh, winning an FA Cup or getting promotion? Go. 
Well, I, I've been I've been promoted. Uh, we finished second in the league and were automatically promoted. And listen, it's special. It, it is very, very special. I've never won the FA Cup. I, I was I was when I went to when I signed for Middlesbrough. We were in the the League Cup final and the FA Cup final that season. I was cup tied, so I wasn't actually able to take part in the FA Cup final. I was there, you know, did the whole thing in the hotel, went to the game. You know, it's a remarkable occasion. Unfortunately, we lost 2-0. That was where Di Matteo scored after 40, 44 seconds. Um, fastest ever goal in, in an FA Cup final still stands to this date. Um, you know what? I don't know. It's hard. I think promotion is pretty special, but I think winning an FA Cup would surpass it. I, 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 yeah, I, I pretty much. I would say winning the FA Cup definitely, definitely uh, tops a list of, of out of those two. How do you view uh, Federici's career here in England? Because I suppose one thing that we've, you know, you've quite clearly yourself included, but we've always been so lucky, Australia, in having so many fantastic goalkeepers. So he's sort of been forgotten about a little bit, but then you go through his career, and as I touched on now, promotion to the Premier League, his career with Stoke now, he's played with a lot of teams here, and I suppose it's frustrating from his behalf that he hasn't just been able to crack into that next tier. Yeah, that, I mean, you know, listen, I know Adam, I know Adam really well and, and uh, get on with him really well, and I remember, you know, when he was at Reading, you know, a good stint there, and, and he, he played some really good stuff, and then they obviously had that phenomenal season where they were promoted, and, and Fedders, Fedders played really well, and he was on a high, and I could see it, you know, got caught, caught up with all the, uh, the emotion, um, the hype of being promoted into the Premier League, and he thought, right, this is my time, this is where I'm going to hit the ground running, I'm going to continue my form, I'm going to get better and better in the Premier League, and then my next goal is to play and be number one for the Socceroos, and, which is completely understandable, and, and, and it's a natural kind of process that you would undertake. The only thing I'd say is, and I, and I remember saying at the time, Fedders, why come out publicly and make a statement like that? You know, playing in the Premier League has so many pressures that come along with it, particularly for a newly promoted side. You know you're going to be up against it. You know it's going to be a, you know, your, your favourites uh, amongst all the bookmakers, all the so-called experts are being uh, relegated straight away again. And you've got to just get your head down, do that, do the work. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. You need to focus. You need to have one hell of a season to stay in the league, him as an individual, but also collectively as a group they needed to. And to come out before the first game of the season and say right, this is my time, I'm in the big stage, this is where I deserve to be, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to be, establish myself in the Premier League and my goal is to become the number one for the Socceroos. Have all those aspirations, definitely. But don't put even more pressure on yourself by coming out and saying, I remember when he did it, and from day one, and he talks about the game, one of his, you know, the, one of his worst games, and it was the opening game at home against Stoke City in the Premier League. They lost the game one nil, and he made a mistake that I think it was one nil. He made a mistake that led to Stoke's goal, winning goal. So, and it snowballed for him there. He 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 struggled. I think the first seven or eight games of the season, um, there were, you know, he had glimpses where he played really well, but then he had in games where he played well, then he also would make a mistake that led to a goal. And inevitably, throughout that season, he actually got dropped, lost his position. And that's how quickly things can go. And uh, I felt for him, you know, because I know how hard it is. And I know, you know, how, how difficult it is, particularly when you put that much more pressure on yourself again. Um, you know, they come from a team that in the championship, they were winning every week to 
Now in the Premier League, the expectations are from from certain amount of fans is that well, hang on, why are we not winning again? You know, why are we now losing games? And the pressure starts to mount, and there's so much riding on it. And it, it was a tough season, really, really tough time for him. Can you draw many comparisons to between him and Mitchell Langerak in terms of the development in their? you know, in their career, and then it sort of hit a little bit of a ceiling? Yeah, Fedder, you know, for Fedders, for example, um, you know, from that moment, I think uh, Alex McCarthy then took over as number one, and he was number one for quite a number of, I think maybe another season or so. Um, and then Alex McCarthy was sold, uh, I think it was to QPR, if I'm, if I'm correct. And then, and then uh, ultimately ended up at Southampton, where he is now. And uh, he... Um, Fedders then took over again, and then eventually Fedders left and went to Bournemouth. And he was signed at Bournemouth as a kind of number two uh, goalkeeper, and then found himself in the end being a number three, um, and 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 really struggling to have any opportunities to play. I think he played a couple of cup games. I don't even know. I can't remember if he played actually even a Premier League game for Bournemouth. I'm not quite sure. And then from that point onwards, he, I remember going down there and interviewing him for Optus Sport, and and you know talking about you know it was it's a it's a tough grind. It's frustrating hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Not playing and he's doing everything he possibly can, get an opportunity to play. And if he does, play well and try and, and, try and grab hold of his position in the team. And it was, it was really tough for him and it was very few and far opportunities uh, were, were, were presented to him. And in the end, he found himself leaving. And, and again, he, he's, he's left and he's gone to Stoke, which, which in paper, you know, Stoke's a, a good club to go to. You know, obviously it was a team that was in the Premier League for over 10 years and uh, they were obviously re- relegated in, in the championship. And, I, and uh, my understanding was that he went there because of the fact that they, they were on the verge of selling Jack Butlin. And Fedders then was going to be signed as, as to take over from Jack Butlin. And again, as we know, Jack Butlin is still at Stoke to this day. And Fedders is finding himself now um, as a sort of number two stroke number three goalkeeper at Stoke. So, you know, it's been tough for him. You know, it's been tough for him to establish himself and maintain a run of games uh, in a team. And, and that's where you kind of go, you see his ability, you see that he's had at the time at Reading where he had an opportunity to play all the time. He had some rhythm and he started to build some consistency and momentum and, and was doing really well. And he's never had that opportunity really to get back to the, that sort of position and uh, has struggled to get game time. And, and, and that must be the most frustrating thing altogether. Whereas you look at Mitch, Mitch was like that at the beginning of his career. And, and, and that's kind of part and parcel of being a goalkeeper. When I first went to Germany, I spent two and a half seasons being a number two stroke number three. I played six first team games throughout that course of the of, of that period of time when I was in Germany. And I got to the point where I was twenty four years old and went, right, I've got to go somewhere where I'm gonna play. And it wasn't even any it was nothing to do with the club, where it was, what league it was in. Obviously you want to play at the highest level, but I, I needed to go where I was gonna play every week. And you put faith in your own ability and you go, right, even if I step down a league, two leagues, it doesn't matter. 
I need to go somewhere where the manager believes in me, it's going to give me game time, and I'm going to be able to build momentum, I'm going to find form, and I'm going to prove to people, you know, I'm better than this level, and if I'm better than this level very quickly, I will be able to move on because I'll be so much better than everyone else around me. And that's that's kind of the thought that I had. Did I know after 13 games I was going to move from Bradford? No, it just happened that way. <clears throat> Whereas, you know, for Mitch, Mitch had that period of time. He made a couple of couple of different moves. He went to to Falkenberg Stuttgart in Germany, and the first season it worked really well in the, in, in the in the second Bundesliga. And then they got promoted. And they brought in another goalkeeper, and Mitch lost his position. So. You know, and, and then the next move he made was to a team in Spain, and he ended up being number three there. And 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 you start to question. You go, oh, you know, is it just a fact of you know, is it bad choices in clubs? Is it circumstances? And don't get me wrong, so many times when you speak to people, and, and even when people talk to to me about your career, and you go, yeah, this club I didn't play. Why didn't I play? Well, because there were there was politics involved, and in every club there are polit- there is politics involved, hundred percent. And, and the problem is when, when you go along your career and say it's happening time and time again, you start to question, hang on, is it just a bad, bad call, bad judgment? Whereas now, Mitch has found a club where he's number one in Japan. He's found, he's, he's, he's le- not his level necessarily, but he's found a, a very good level and also a club that believe in him, a manager that believes in him. He's been able to play games. He's been able to prove his ability and he's established himself as being one of the best goalkeepers in Japan. Will that give him an opportunity to come back to Europe? Has he the ambition to even come back to Europe? I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't spoken to Mitch for, for quite some time. But I, I, I'd like to think he's had that taste of Europe. I hope he feels like he's got some unfinished business to, to kind of try and address. And maybe along the line, if he get given an opportunity to maybe come back and, 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 and go again and try and reach the highest levels you possibly can in Europe. Halftime drinks here at the Two Sharp Reds. Mark, how are you enjoying the Bandock Station? Is it a little bit more up your strata in your wheelhouse? It is. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Um, very nice. And uh, again, oh, it, seems, it seems like I'm a bit of a, a, a broken record, really. It's just one of those drinks, you know, it's, it's the cab sabs. They're, they're, a little bit, they're a bit spicier. They're a little bit more to them, uh, a little bit more full-bodied than, than say, a, a Merlot or, or a Pinot Noir, of course. Definitely more than a Pinot Noir, but definitely not as, uh, as full-bodied as a Shiraz. And it's more of a, I think, a more of a, a regular drink as opposed to a Shiraz. For me, is more of a, a case, uh, you know, when, you, when you're having a really big, hearty, meaty meal or uh, maybe you move on to a Shiraz later on in the drink. But I, I'm, I'm more than happy of drinking a Cab Sav and drinking it for most of the night. So, Mark, let's head back into your contact book. Uh, this one got me very excited when you, you said he was going to be on. Look, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. After the John Terry situation, I didn't think that we'd be getting someone like this on. Did you not? Really? So, ye of little faith. Yeah. So, yeah. Who have we got? Well, listen, we've got one of the best goalkeepers ever to have played uh, football in the world. Um, and very fortunate enough to have played alongside him. Well, not alongside him, generally behind him or uh, actually not even behind him, on the side of the pitch, watching him play most of the time. But I did get to train with him a lot of times. Petr Cech, what a legend and uh, what a great guy as well. So I had to think about uh, you know the best game because uh, in over 400 games I played in the Premier League, there were so many I really liked uh, as a performance and and in terms of the the, the saves and and big big saves, but uh, you know I I'll 
choose the one which is the most recent and is the game I played for Arsenal against Everton at the Emirates. Uh, it was the first season with Unai Emery. And uh, it was a game where I made a lot of saves, big, uh, big saves. And, and during the game, I made um, basically everything I've done, it was spot on. And I could feel it during the distribution, crossing, saves, um, communication. I remember, you know, going home from that game and I was thinking, you know what, this game was uh, crystal clean. No mistakes, everything, decision making, precision was there, you know, everything was there. So I choose, uh, I choose this one. I think I probably even got the man of the match uh, in the end. So, you know, this is one of those games where you go home and, and you feel like this is a proper game. How about that, Mark? I mean, not one person... I'm an Arsenal fan, and I went, no, I'm sorry, Petter, that's, that's, just, that's just not right. I mean, it blew me away. It was a great game, don't get me wrong. Uh, and I don't know, though. I mean, the, the amount of fantastic games he's played for Chelsea, that's just blown me away. Yeah, you know what? I, you, you have to put it all in context. And I understand why he's, he's saying that that is maybe not necessarily... Yeah, he's saying it's his, his, his best game. So I think you've got to look at the stage of his career he's at. He's gone to Arsenal and obviously with an incredible record in the Premier League, uh, regarded as one of the best goalkeepers to have played uh, in the Premier League, definitely, if not one of the best goalkeepers in the world. And, uh, you know, Arsenal thought this was going to solve all of their defensive problems. This was going to be the moment where Arsenal now are going to push for trying to win the Premier League title again, have a great run in Europe. And it wasn't quite to be the case. And, and Petter, at times, didn't reach the levels that he was at Chelsea. And, you know, part of that was because of, because of Arsenal itself, the way that, you know, the type, of per, the type of players that he had around him, not at the same levels, there was disarray, type of personalities. And, and it needed more than just a Petter check. It needed uh, probably another three or four Petter checks to, to make a difference within that group, uh, to really, really make a difference. Because uh, Petter did definitely make a difference, but to have significant changes, significant differences, that really would have had an impact on, on, on the, the way the club was performing on the football pitch. So at the moment, at that moment in time in his career, he's not quite reached the, the, the heights that he was uh, reaching at Chelsea. People were, fans were starting to be a little bit disgruntled. They were saying that Bert Leno should be number one and Petter, you know, is now past it. So he's got a point to prove. He's got to lay down a marker. He's got to prove to the manager, I am your number one. I have still got it. I haven't lost it. And he's gone into this game and he's put in a performance, like he said, where he felt that nothing, nothing he did was, was, was going to go wrong. Like he felt that everything was perfect. So in his eyes, he had the perfect game which he did, um, you know, his distribution, you know, his, his positioning, the saves he made. Um, and, and, I, and I get it. And, and often as a goalkeeper, you know, you, you, you look at things differently and you look at the different saves and you know the, the technical aspect of it. You know how difficult saves are. You know the movement, um, the, predict, you know, the, the prediction that you have to make, you know, the reaction that you, you, you make at a particular time. And you, 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 I think you interpret things differently. And you, you have different appreciations for different saves and different games. And that's clearly an example now of Petter going, right, I've, I'm, I've proved everyone wrong. I've proved all those doubters out there. I, am, I can play at this level. I, uh, this is the level I used to play at, 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 at Chelsea regularly. This is the perfect game. 
and he's told, he's shown, you know, Emery, I am your number one. This is the level that I can produce, and I'm going to produce it for you every week. Didn't quite happen that way, but I, I, I can understand why he thinks that's his best game ever. For me, one of his best games, and it's hard, and it's for a number of reasons, um, it's, it's hard to look beyond the 2012 uh, Champions League final against, against Bayern Munich. Uh, in yeah. Munich, you know, he was phenomenal in that game. The whole Chelsea team were, but Petter was phenomenal. Um, they were down to 10 men. He, he pulled off a penalty save in the last, last I think, minutes of, of, of the game to, to keep Chelsea in the tie. And then obviously in the penalty shootout itself, making crucial saves to, to ultimately help them win the Champions League uh, trophy against all of the odds. Even that, that whole campaign, you could even say that whole Champions League campaign were arguably his best run. Um, he was phenomenal in that whole campaign. Do you think that when he looks back, will he consider himself uh, an Arsenal player of any kind? Or do you think that it was just uh, a period in his career where he just wanted to keep playing and, and also wanted to stay in London? I, I don't... I mean, yeah, listen, staying in London was, was part of it. His family has settled. You know, home is London for him. Um, and which is hard not to be when you've been here for so long. Um, I, I, it ticked all the boxes. You know, Arsenal being a, a you know, top, top club, a club that wants to try and get back to the heights they were, you know, in, in, the, in the sort of the, the late 90s, 2000s, early 2000s, um, haven't really got to that level or haven't got anywhere near that level again. Um, it was a perfect fit for him. He was going to go there and be number one. There was Champions League football at Chelsea. He wasn't playing anymore. He was told he was, not, he was no longer number one. He wasn't guaranteed to get those, those sort of games of football. Where at Arsenal, he was bought in for his experience. He was bought in for his qualities. Um, so it was a perfect match for him at his stage in his career. I don't think he has any regrets whatsoever. I, I, I think he looks back at the time of with some regret in terms of they didn't. They weren't able to accomplish what he'd hoped they would have been able to accomplish. Um, but I still think he has a lot of fond memories, and and uh, I've been there to to interview him when he was still at Arsenal, and you know he spoke incredibly highly of the club and about his time there, and 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 you know that that uh, he was he felt very privileged and fortunate to have played for Arsenal. Uh, Mark, this is going to make you incredibly happy, but if we take things all the way back to some of the earlier episodes of Two Sharp Reds, uh, you compared uh, Eddie Howe's situation at Bournemouth uh, to being, was it a Fiat? I believe that Bournemouth was the equivalent of a Fiat. Well, regardless of that, we, we had an episode where we were comparing uh, what Premier League teams were in car form. Uh, and Karim Benzema, the French international at Madrid, He's just currently compared Olivier Giroud and himself as cars. Um, so, Karim Benzema believes he is a Formula One car, and this is the best thing ever. He's described Giroud as a go-kart. Unbelievable. That, you know, that, that, that statement is unbelievable, right? And, and, and he goes on to actually say, you can't confuse an F1 car with a go-kart. And he says, and... I'm being kind. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. Oh, mate, uh, that is... I mean, listen, you wouldn't like to be Giroud. And I'm sure there's going to be a response from Giroud. You would think anyway. Um, but that is just gold. That honestly is gold. I mean, that, that takes some gold to, to say something like that. And listen, you know, to, to look at Benzema's record, to play, to be, the, you know, pretty much the number one striker... Um, 
Well, not, well, that's an argument to be had there, but but one of the main strikers at Real Madrid, what is it, over 11 seasons now? Yeah. You know, his goal-scoring record is phenomenal for Real Madrid. And one would argue, yeah, it's Real Madrid, and of course you're going to score. But well, no, hang on, tell me how many players can play for that long and be that consistent. There's not many, you know, there's not many can play at that level that consistently, score that many goals, um, and, and Benzema has done it. And I, and I think he's a huge loss for France. The only question is, I suppose, that there's obviously a good reason for it. Um, and uh, th- there's a personality issue. And obviously there is off-field things that, that have occurred. Um, but there's obviously a personality issue. And therefore France uh, and Deschamps feel that it's better that they don't have that personality within that group. Because it obviously probably has too big a disrupting influence on the remainder of the group. When we say that Giroud is a go-kart, are we assuming that he's got, uh, like, he's a go-kart with an engine? Or he's one of those go-karts that you make when you're in your kid? Uh, no, you've got to give him an engine. Come on. He's a yeah. World Cup winner. Like, he's a World Cup winner. He's, you know, he's, you've got to give him, yeah, he's, he's definitely got an engine. But you know what? I, I kind of get what he's saying in terms of... <laughs> Do you? No, but What's you know what I'm saying? Like, if you, if you talk about the direct comparison, right... And, yep. and, and Benzema, he's got that bit of elegancy, he's a bit of class, he's, he, on the football pitch we're talking. You know, sure. his goal-scoring ratio, you know, he's, he's got, it, it's, it's up there with the best. What is the best in terms of motor car racing is Formula One. You look at Giroud, and particularly of late, his goal-scoring record isn't, isn't great. He's not playing regularly. He's kind of that bit part player at the moment. And France, up until the game against Australia in the group stages, he was also becoming a bit more of a bit part player. Then they went on in this amazing run. He didn't have one single shot on target and didn't score one goal at the World Cup where they became world champions. And that in itself is a remarkable stat. And, and the other remarkable bit about that is it's not the first time that's happened. And it's not the first time it's happened to France because it happened when they won it in, 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 uh, in, what year was it? 1998. On home soil. Yeah. And Givage did the same thing. Givage did the same thing. Didn't have a single shot on target. Didn't, single, didn't score a single goal. And France were crowned World Cup winners. And he was in the team and played every game. And it's, it's remarkable. So I kind of understand the analogy. I think you're being very harsh. It, it's, no, I can understand it. Oh, it's harsh, particularly to say it openly like that. But if you're talking like-for-like comparison, I I kind of understand the analogy. Mark, how have you enjoyed the bottle of Bandrock Station, the 2018 Reserve, the Cab Sav and Shiraz? I I love it when we we get those bottles that are just a little bit of everything. Yeah, no, really nice. I do do really like it. I like it. It's uh, it's been very easy to drink, I have to say. Um, and I've, I've enjoyed it. It's gone down really easily with this conversation of football, which generally does happen with most bowls of wine that we drink, I have to be honest. Yeah. I don't think there's many bowls of wine that we've actually drunk where we've struggled to drink um, and haven't enjoyed. And you know what it's like? It always flows when we're talking about football, doesn't it? Yeah, when we get together, but... it's a pretty dangerous mix, talking about football and drinking uh, bottles of wine. Well, that's why quarantine's been so good. It's just, it's just given us a little bit of time off. <laughs> it has. And you can definitely recover after drinking a bottle of red wine each. Exactly. Exactly right. Well, here are the two sharp reds. We like to compare the bottle of wine. We try to play a past or present. And Mark, I've got an absolute beauty for you. And you are going to either love it or, or this could be the last episode. That's how controversial my pick is going to be. So, uh, uh, you know, the, 
the spices and fruits were were very prominent, which we which we normally uh, get with these wines. Um, but I'm having a look at the at the label now, and at the back it does say uh, that they recommend that it's perfect alongside a hearty lamb. Oh. And as soon as I read that, I went, "That's you're absolutely right." And then for some reason, all I could think about was a hearty lamb, hearty lamb, uh. lamb, Philip Lamb. So my my wine is going to be a Tony Cruz, uh, perfect alongside a hearty lamb. Uh. Your thought. That's, what do you reckon about that? Yeah, listen, I like that, mate. It's been creative for yeah. a change from you. Yeah, listen, that's yeah. brought your creativity out of you, um, which is nice. I, I yeah. get that. that that's, that's a really good analogy, very good uh, description, and I think it works really, really well. Okay, so you know what? Having to listen to the description that you, you gave on the back of the bottle there, and the one thing that stood out for me was a, it goes with a hearty lamb stew. And we talk about, you know, it's got hints of spice. So it's got like a bit of, a, it's got creativity. For me, when I think of hints of spice, uh, something a little bit extra, a little bit of class on it, maybe. Um, and it's someone off the back of a hearty lamb stew is a player that I played with at Middlesbrough. And uh, played on the left-hand side most of the time, could switch to the right-hand side, attacking player, uh, had some trickery, showed some glimpses of that extra something special, um, had a lot of heart, and it definitely went along the lines of hearty lamb stew. And, you know, if anything, if I had my time again, I'd probably call him that as part of his nickname, um, Stuart Downing. Yeah, I like it. I, I like that we've both, you know, we. I feel like the the more that we do this, Mark, we get into a rhythm where we think similarly. So we've gone for the the word play, which is good on this one, and it, it's just nice to know that we're uh, like Justin Timberlake's uh, you know, best band. It's just it's good that we're in sync. Ah, oh, yes, I like that. Good, mate. You're on a roll today, aren't you? You <laughs> really just bad, carry right? it on. Yeah, you, you are, mate. You're really good. I'm, I'm enjoying it this week. It's been for a change because I normally don't enjoy yeah. working with you, no. um, as you can tell most weeks. Well, that uh, is about all we've got time for here on another episode of the Two Sharp Reds. Thank you, Mark. I look forward to trying another bottle of the Burgundy Grape next week. Can't wait, mate. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 